Welcome back to Inspire Reads with Inspire Entertainment. We're now on episode 6 of our podcast. It's been quite the journey since episode 1. We've been getting better every single week and the only way we've been doing that is by implementing the advice and feedback and suggestions that you guys have sent to us and we really appreciate that. In terms of support, it's been exceptional. We didn't expect the podcast to be received in such a way and it's good to see that there are a lot of people reading and um, thank you for letting us know and sharing our work. We've created an account on Curious Cat, which is an application which allows you to send feedback or suggestions anonymously, or questions even. Link for that will be in the description, so please use that and interact with us a bit more. In terms of support, we'd also like you to go on SoundCloud, go on iTunes, or whatever you're listening on, and like and leave a rating behind, because this really helps us in reaching a wider audience and further expanding the podcast so we can get better and better. Lastly, in this episode, we've got a very special guest, and uh, we're going to go into that in the next section, but if there are any other authors or poets listening to this, anyone that has any written work that they'd like us to discuss and share with our audience, just let us know. We're pretty easy to find. With all that being said, let's get on with the show. Black people don't read. Reading is fundamental. Get a book, man. Get the great stories. The great thing about reading is that it broadens your, your life. You know, we all live our lives, but I think a reader lives a hundred other lives. Welcome back to Inspire Reads with Inspire Entertainment. I'm your host, Mohammed, joined by Michael, who's Shamaki. This is episode six, and we've got another very special episode. So we're going back to back with our special episodes for 2018. Our aim for this podcast is to try and record a podcast every every week for this whole year and uh, read a book. So that's 52 books, 52 podcast episodes, hopefully. And we want to try and make it varied and do different things, get some authors on board and make them as interesting as possible. And uh, this week we've got another interesting one. Um, we actually managed to get an interview with an author who sent, who reached out to us and sent us her book. And we're gonna get into that a bit later. The book is called Amila, and the author is Harima Haji Mohammed from San Diego, California. As usual for now, our new format is our little challenge segment. And I'm, I'm getting challenged myself to come up with these challenging <laughs> scenarios. <laughs> So uh, I've got a few different things I've come up with this week, and um, I came up with two of them by myself, and someone else helped me with the last one, but yeah, um, you guys are going to find this interesting, but stay tuned, Um, the interview will be after this, and then we're going to discuss the book after we edit the interview in. So, on to the challenge segment. Challenges? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I feel like that should be a thing. You feel like we need the challenge intro? No, just challenges. Yes, well, with your voice. Yeah. Monotone. <laughs> Challenges. <laughs> All right, so question number one. I, actually, I told him two of the questions before. But I think uh, I, I honestly forgot, I'm not going to lie. You forgot? Yeah, you told me to forget, so I forgot. I told him to forget. I'm men in black thing, isn't it? <laughs> but in terms of these questions, I'm trying to make it as spontaneous as possible so we get our natural reactions, our natural conversations out of it. And I'm, tr- I'm trying not to think about it as well, so... When it comes out, it'll come out how it comes out, innit? <laughs> and uh, question number one is going to be another interesting one this week. If you were told you've been given the opportunity to do a TED Talk, which is like a public talk, and a lot of people know about TED, just go Google TED and TED Talks or whatever on YouTube, there's loads of inspiring talks. I came up with a little scenario based on that. If you, if you were told you've been given the opportunity to do a TED Talk, but you've got to come up with a speech on the spot, what do you talk about? Go ahead and give the speech. I'll give you three minutes. Right now, on the spot. I would basically talk about... 
Yes, and I don't need to Somebody. actually. I don't need to actually give the speech. Huh? I don't need to actually give the speech. No, that's how right I start off. Oh, okay, start, go ahead. Come on, like, all right, all right. I'm the audience uh-huh. member. That you're, I'm the audience member that you don't like. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, what's wrong with you, man? Just sit down, man. <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, I paid for this ticket too. <laughs> but yeah, good. Yeah. So um, the talk that I would like to give is about the Somali diaspora. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and about appreciating the sacrifices that our parents have made for us. Uh, basically, obviously, then I would ask the audience how they're doing. You know, see if they're if they're bored right now. If not, then you know, I mean, I'll continue. Sorry, mate. I'm I'm the audience right now. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I don't know why you're talking to me. No, no, I don't know. But, <laughs> um, and then I'll basically. What am I? What am I saying? Then I'll go into the talk. I'm in the talk. Um, yeah. So we all have parents, don't we? Hopefully. Um, and in the Somali community, our parents have made um, a very big sacrifice for us. And we're in that special period right now where we are the transition from their lives to, let's say, a new life, which is in uh, the Western countries. And we're basically like the first... Uh, first we are the first generation but we're like the first people to experience this change um and our children are only gonna experience what we've experienced basically meaning that we we are we've grown up to this culture we know what this culture is like whereas our parents like come here when they're like 40 or maybe younger maybe older and they're not that experienced to this life whereas we are and we've got the opportunity right now as the first generation to to pave the way hopefully a good way um, and not really a negative way and um, with that being said I would like to say for for those on the streets yeah Talking to those guys right now. <laughs> They're not in the audience. <laughs> They're not in the audience. They're on the streets, bro. <laughs> so, um, those guys, I, I would like to say, um, have some respect. Right, have some respect for your parents who have like traveled the seas on a voyage to get you here, right? To give you that good life, and then you basically say, "No, I'm gonna trap." You know what I mean? Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, it is the biggest insult. Like, uh-huh. it it's, it's a spit in the face, that's what it is. Yeah. And, then, and then your mum's crying, basically saying, like, I did not bring you up this way, which is true, she didn't. You was brought up over here, which basically means your children are now going to grow up the way you've grown up, unless you change that. Um, and I'd also like to say to, to respect our parents, because um, right now, obviously, we may think, oh, you didn't grow up in this country, you don't know Jack. But they've been through a whole lot more than we have and for them to be smiling at you every single day basically shows that these people are a lot wiser than you and I and a lot better so yeah I would say um, get off the streets I would say respect your parents and I would say pave the way for the next generation to come because we are the first generation and it's, it's, it's up to us to do a good job thank you very much I is out.
Don't invite me back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we will. No Q and A. No questions. Nah, nah, at this point. <laughs> you already walked out. The curtains are closed, and I'm coming in now. <laughs> like if I answer questions, I'll mess up everything. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, you wanna introduce me? <laughs> no, oh, well, I gotta introduce that. myself. I've been annoying all this, but you're gonna walk on stage. <laughs> Alright, so you know, yeah. I'm joking. Introducing to the stage right now is Mohammed. Hi guys. <laughs> Come out very excited, you know. I hate you already. <laughs> How's it going, guys? <laughs> you guys having a good time? <laughs> hey, you got a go- you got a drink over there. I see you. dude over there with the white shirt. <laughs> so, uh, what are you drinking today? <laughs> sparkling water. What kind of what, hey? Who drinks sparkling water, man? <laughs> All right. So today, I'm gonna be talking about education and. The lack of support in the education system for students and potentially teachers as well. Um, yeah, keep on drinking. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, so, I'm from a background where I've been in education for the last 20 years of my life. <laughs> the last, I'd say, 15 to 20 years of my life. And I've got quite a lot of experience in, in that, obviously. I was a student, innit? <laughs> but um, as a student, you... you you, and I, I also, another little fun fact, I've, I've moved houses about, I'd say, I think it's hit double digits at this point. Just in my <clears> time <throat> in London, I've probably hit double digits in moving houses and different schools, um, different teachers, different uh, classmates I've been with, and all these different things that I've experienced, I think feel like I'm in a good place to talk about them. And um, I've also, I've, I've been to college, I've been to uni, and I eventually I ended up doing an apprenticeship because... I just felt like the education system wasn't supporting me what I, in um, <clears throat> actually helping me find out what I wanted to do. I think from a young age, students should, should not be sitting in classrooms and learning things that they don't want to learn. I think students from a young age should have more choices. Why not? And um, obviously, in this society, there's capitalism and all these different, uh, different systems and <clears throat> concepts that restrict us from doing so in terms of financially supporting the country and we need workers basically um, factories need to be uh, like manned uh, people need to be building stuff people need to be producing stuff people need to be engineering things and doctors need to be helping save lives and all these different fields and um, that, that currently is working um, but in an ideal world for me I think students from a young age should be encouraged to do what they want to do and um experience different things so from a young age i'd say in a primary school age from the from the age of zero to ten <laughs> from the age of zero to ten i'd say that they are encouraged to try all sorts of different activities different sports different creative fields different writing things uh, and by doing that it'll give these young people from a young very young age an opportunity to understand what they enjoy and understand what what they like and what uh, what they're passionate about because I feel like all these people that are successful per se in uh, a loose sense of the word are people who when you listen to their interviews and you check all like all their autobiographies and things like that you realize that a lot of them say that they they knew from a young age what they wanted to do and they were passionate about it and why is that yeah. and why why is it that other people can't do the same thing and achieve the same things and why can't everyone be great I think it's a question that needs to be asked and I think it needs to start from the grassroots of uh, primary school education so I propose that 
young people should be introduced to a variety of different things, a variety of different experiences, be able to travel more easily and encouraged to do the things that they wouldn't normally do. And I think that will give them a good all-round experience and build their personalities as well. And then uh, once they hit, uh, let's say, pub- like adolescence age, puberty, 10 to 15, that's when they like you finally start seeing their personality, how they'll develop for the rest of their lives. And um, in that period is when they should be given the uh, the options and support to uh, choose whatever they want to do. Um, because a lot of us from that age, we are shown different fields like medicine, uh, engineering, all these different things. We're aware of those, but we're not aware of these other niche things like graphic design, um, let's say, uh, all these other niche careers, you know? We don't, we don't even know they exist. So how do like why is it that we should just stumble upon them why can't there be a list uh, some kind of encyclopedia and some kind of thing that will match your skill set to the career and so there's a, i know there are a lot of methodology out there that, that that sort of follow the idea as well but i feel like it should be promoted within the classrooms and work experience as well um, me going to uni <clears throat> i've had for a lot of unis and i got rejected by a lot <laughs> because it happens man. yeah it happens but but I think uh, a, a large factor of that was because I didn't have any work experience in what I wanted to do at that time. And um, I, I had no idea that I needed work experience at that time. So I was, I was surprised. I was like, what? I need work experience? After two years in college, they tell me now at the end of it, like, why? And I feel like that needs to be pushed as well. And um, and then from that point on, the, the the person, the individual, would understand what they wanted to do. And there'll be a lot less confusion and a lot less uh, criminal activity, I feel like, because their personality will be well developed, they'll be more like their morality will be well developed. They've tried different things. They've interacted with different people. If you understand what I mean, and I think all these things need to be addressed from a young age. And that's my proposal for today. Thank you very much for listening. Stop drinking sparkling water. Bye. <laughs> hey man, you, you like that? Before running for president, <laughs> I wanted to be a president once upon a time. I let the campaign then, start then, right now. Then the life, then life hit me, man. <laughs> and, and I realized sparkling water wasn't for me. All right, number question number two. How are you guys looking at the segment so far? I came up with some new stuff, huh? Oh All right, so question number two. If you could meet any fictional character, and you managed to find a time machine that could take you any place, anywhere in time. Where and when would you go together with a fictional character that you met? God. Uh, See, yo, I, need to, I need the talk show, don't I? Like, <laughs> <clears throat> um, do you want to start this one? Because uh, I think I need some time to think. I, think I, I need some time to think too, you know. I didn't think about it before. That's why I said I, I want to keep it natural. So I'm, I'm saying you go for it, mate. You had a lot of time. <laughs> you had a, a lot, lot of time to work. relax, you know. <laughs> Process things. <laughs> um, well, my, my talk too engaging. <laughs> I was I was there preparing your campaign back. <laughs> hey, I was on a GoFundMe page. I already set up. All right, um, let me go for it then. Go for it. All right, so my I found a time machine. I think I want to bring Doctor Who with me, man. What? I think he already knows. That's a waste of person. Why? Why would you bring Doctor Who? Exactly, man. He's probably tried useful, it himself. Man. He's a weird guy. Yo, I, I think I could chill with that guy. Man. Nah, yeah, nah, I think right. he could. <laughs> Alright, uh, let me go for Superman. <laughs> Why not? Any yeah. fictional character, I said. Uh, look, look, you're taking your time, so I'm gonna go, go for, for it. it. But yeah, <clears throat> Superman. I'm gonna take him to the the dinosaur period, <laughs> the Jurassic period. So you know the guy can fly. He, he got laser vision. 
yo, I'm, I'm having some cooked dinosaur, man. <laughs> yo, you, you ever wanted to taste how, you ever wanted to taste the dinosaur? Yo, you know that, that, that gotta taste good, man. Yo, look how good chicken is. <laughs> but yeah, that's me. I'm gonna give you 30 seconds, man. Oh, gosh. Beat that. Like Superman, he can he can break their bones, and, and he can kill them in a in a human in a humane way, and then he uses the heat vision to start a fire, and, and I'll, I'll get to cooking. I'll kill him in a humane way. Hit them on the head, didn't it? Hit them on the head. Knock them out one time. But <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Superman might be a softy, so I might have to take another guy, man. I might have to be Batman still. But I can't fly. Oh, it's, it's difficult. It's gonna have to be Thor or something like. <laughs> What what I would do, mm-hmm. I would take I would take Batman. Yeah. Right. And then I'll take him to the future. Okay. Right. With a textbook. I was gonna ask you if you wanted to go forward or backwards. I'll take to I'll, the future. Well, yeah, with like a textbook. What's CGP? All of that. <laughs> Hard drives, USBs, the whole lot. Yeah. And I'll tell him like, <clears throat> learn in it, prepare, and then obviously once he learns from them, like in terms of like developed weapons and stuff like that, then. <clears throat> He comes back and he retires as Batman. Yeah. And he makes them the weapons and stuff which he learnt for me. What are you gonna do with the weapons? Huh? What are you gonna do with the weapons? That's no, a stunt, really. That's it. You know? <laughs> I don't know how to well, fight. Put them on your wrist. <laughs> my wrist. Around your neck. Shoot some stuff. That's it. Yeah, literally. Yeah, that's pathetic, man. Yeah, that's all I can all right. think of. Question number three. I'm gonna go real abstract. You thought I was abstract before? You thought I was coming up with some weird stuff? Hold your horses, mate. But yeah, number three. This is one that I want you guys to, uh, I want the audience to also participate. And let me know what you think about this after. I'm going to do this and you're going to do this. I want you to close your eyes and think of the first picture that comes into your head. And then I want you to describe it to me and think about why it came up into your head. Oh, this could turn really bad. Yeah, so let's, let's have 10 seconds to think about it. Pause it if you want, and we'll edit it out later. But yeah, I'll give you 10 seconds. You start. So a picture. Is any any, pic- any oh, picture. Oh, I thought what? you were going to say something. That would no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything, but I want to see like your natural thoughts. What brings? What comes up to you first? Any picture, like painting, whatever, anything. And then when you're ready, go. Um... Well, uh, it's like the Northern Lights. Northern Lights. Yeah, and and like there's a silhouette of someone just looking up at it. That's that sounds pretty cool. But why? Huh? Why did why did it come up? Um, you see, you have to keep track of these things and notice. Like, why did these random thoughts pop up? Where did they come from? What are you, what are you being influenced by? <clears throat> uh, why does a guy looking up yeah. at the Northern Lights? One dead. It's, it's pretty huh? right? yeah of course two is you go can get day. you can get some uh, inspiration from it mm-hmm. um, the guy is alone so he could be getting you know when you've got time to think by itself right um, no I don't I can't relate I, I you don't I don't have no time but huh? we'll continue <laughs> no I'm saying like obviously he, he's out there yeah to, to just like a peace of mind bathing yeah yeah looking up at serenity and the heavens yeah and um, obviously marveled by the creation of God I think that's 
those are those are the points <laughs> as to why. But why did it come up? Why did it come up? Yeah. What influenced you? Um. Well, right now it's night. Okay. As for the Northern Lights, I have no idea. I just feel you like see, it's, okay, then I, it's, it's, it's like it painting from? the night, yeah. and that's what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just painted it with like Northern Lights <clears throat> and the guy there. Mm. Um, for me, I don't know. When I when I think of it, I just think of I think of like a landscape, okay. like a, a green landscape full of hills and all these like lakes and stuff. Something, something beautiful. Maybe I wanted to go there. Is it so you can run? Just run. That's, <laughs> that might like be it. Like all that, all that space is. <laughs> you can just run endlessly. Yeah, all that. <laughs> you see in like Looney Tunes where they have the they have the, the, the trails. <laughs> They have the trail. Look at the guy who runs when he he goes up the hill, and then you see him at the next hill. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might be why. Maybe I just like to run. I don't know. That's, a, that's just something that brings me peace. I think I like I like the color green. Yeah, um, it's also a painting on the wall. It has a lot of green on it. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that's why. But um, share us what you guys got and think about why it might have triggered. It's, it's very weird and abstract, but every now and then you got to be a little bit introspective and. Think about why you're thinking about things. <laughs> and, well, don't overthink it because that's a route to trouble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, challenge segment over. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was, it was actually, it's pretty good. Yeah, it was yeah. better than the last one. Huh? It was better. <laughs> I would say it was better. It made me think more. Mm. Okay, um, we're going to go into the interview now. We pre-recorded this interview and um, we recorded it from both our sides. We're going to edit it in. And um, we're going to take a break after that and go into the book. Welcome back. In this segment, we've got a very special guest. Her name is Halima Haji Mohammed, and she's based in San Diego, California. She's a writer. And last week, when we released our last podcast, um, we were because we like we re- we release the podcast usually on a Monday. If it's a lot of editing, we release it on a Tuesday, and. Um, Usually the day after we release it, we decided on the book that we want to read. And just as we were trying to decide what book we wanted to read, we received a, a message. <laughs> so um, Halima here approached us and asked us if we could have a look through her book, which she's published, and just yeah share it with our audience. And um, we're really grateful for it. And this is the first opportunity we've had to actually discuss something with an author, which we, we plan to do in the future, and also... Uh, read a book which has been sent in and also the in terms of the actual book itself it's a series of short stories um, compiled into an anthology and the name of the book is called Amila um, I think that's enough for an introduction but yeah <laughs> so we got a few questions and a few little things we want to talk about and um, in terms of us like our background as well like a few a couple like in the first episode of our podcast we talked about how we got into reading and we also talked about our interest in writing as well. Like uh, we used to actually <laughs> you, like send each other books and stuff, and we also tried to experiment on things like Wattpad, which we noticed that <laughs> you wrote in your preface for your book as well. And yeah, so there's there's a few common interests, and we just like to talk about them. Um, in terms of like writing, when did, when did you start? Like was there a certain age or just forever? <laughs> I actually started writing sometime when I was around twelve years old. I began as a reader, and then I developed as a writer, and that's when I kind of began writing on Wattpad and Facebook and doing my own personal blogging, so I kind of have like a lot of different 
I've kind of dabbled in a lot of different things as far as my writing goes. And in terms of like actually like categories of, of writing, what do you prefer? I know you wrote fiction, but in terms of actual categories, a lot of like people talk about Wattpad as something that's quite notorious for like romance, like romance short stories and things like yeah, that. Yeah, there's a lot of romance on <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> so like what kind of things do you go for? Just whatever, whatever, feel, like, whatever you feel like. I actually started writing romance stories, like those typical cheesy love stories for teenagers. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's where I kind of had my beginnings. Oh, gosh. But yeah. now I prefer then, um, writing fiction and occasionally nonfiction stories. Um, in terms of things like the actual book itself and the, the themes that it covers, um, it covers uh, the Somali diaspora. And if you don't know what that means, it's basically the, the distribution of Somali citizens from all around the world. So like all these major cities, London, uh, like all over America, all over Canada, Scandinavian, Scandinavian countries. Yeah. And, for some, and for some reason, some of them have popped up in Australia these days. <laughs> I like the way you said distribution. <laughs> Just handouts. <laughs> but yeah, we're everywhere. And uh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And uh, it's interesting to see. And when I, after I read the book, um, it's interesting because like we all share a common background and um, we all share these similar issues as well. Literally, and, no matter like if it's in America or UK yeah. or Sweden or Australia, it's you, literally like you, the same thing. If you meet somebody from anywhere, then you're probably going to relate to something. Exactly. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I, I, sorry, I quite enjoyed the book in terms of like every single story had a theme behind it. And um, you want to talk about the how it came about, so the name of the book and things like that. Um, so as far as the name of the book goes, it was actually something that I discovered while doing my own personal writing. I was writing my name one day in my journal, and then I realized that my name backwards spells out to something, and that was Amala. And so I looked it up, and mm. it's the Arabic word for hopeful. And at the time, I was mm. kind of going through some, like, I was going through a rough patch, and that was something that really inspired me and motivated me. And I was like, you know what? There's a book that I kind of stopped writing. So why don't I pick that back up and I could call yeah. it Umbrella potentially. And um, did you end up like picking out these specific stories just for the book or like did you write them over time specifically for the book? Well, actually, I played around with different ideas. Like I know gins was one thing that I really wanted to write about. And of course, love, friendship, jealousy, all mm. of these kind of like major themes in life. But then I ended ended up scrapping a lot of them and um, saving some for the final um, version of the book. In terms of Jin Shamaki, had a question about that. <laughs> you want to go for it? Gone into a bit too soon. I was, I was waiting <laughs> no, to she save this. She yeah. mentioned it. So no, yeah. So basically, um, what I wanted to know was because like there were some references and like solid references, and I just wanted to know like, did you participate in any oh, of no. the exorcisms, or like, or was it like, did you get research? You know, I'm really, oh. I'm actually really happy that you said that because I did my research. Like, I have nah. no experience whatsoever with exorcisms or nothing like that. Yeah, I mean, I was reading to think, wow, <laughs> she knows this stuff. <laughs> I, yeah. thought, I thought you were the character at first. Uh, that's the interesting thing in terms of the actual writing and uh, like the gender roles. In the beginning, of, like in each, in, in the beginning of each story, you, you you kind of have to have a have a guess or you have to wait as the character's development like continues to find out whether it's a male or a female. And um, in terms of like uh, playing the roles of a, like the guys and 
um, picking up, like making the the dialogue like natural sounding. How how did you feel about that? Like, did it come natural to you, or did you feel like you should uh, get the view of some males just to try and make the characters more natural? To be honest, it's something that I feel like is just natural for me. I grew up with my brothers and my brother's friends, and I like kind of had like this really like energetic community of like people around me at all times. So I guess I kind of just developed yeah. like what would a guy say? But to be honest, like I'm very comfortable narrating from a girl mm. or a guy's point of view. Like it's nothing that's too difficult for me. I think I would struggle to write that girl's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, what do they do? They make up like Fenty and all that. Like, oh, <laughs> don't let to start, man. <laughs> but um, in terms of the actual theme of the book and uh, touching back on the name and the, the themes of hope and uh, when, you, uh, when you approached us, you you mentioned it and then um i was like yeah i, I would like a light read this mm-hmm. time <laughs> um because lo- the last few books have been pretty deep and uh i think this one was deep as well and it's, it pertains to the issues that we have within our community as well so i felt it on a personal level as well as i'm sure shimaki did and I, I quite enjoyed that and that's the good thing about that's what i liked about the end of each story as you you retained the hopeful element and it wasn't all doom and gloom and you you tried to provide solutions which i noticed throughout yeah. the book as well so um i really liked that i just like to comment oh, on i that. appreciate that <laughs> yeah so it, the book covers things like depression domestic violence love relationships religion and uh, I think a lot of Somali people would relate to that and all these different issues that we have. And uh, even like the the last story, which is about uh, Somali fathers and how they, there's a lot of them who have divorced or, or left their family mm-hmm. and then um, married into another family. And yeah, that's another thing that I think a lot of people relate to. So Yeah, to touch up on on the domestic uh, violence one mm-hmm. i was really intrigued by the guy yeah. um like he was like just crazy violent um and i just all again just wanted to know like um were you basically just trying to make the worst guy in the world or was it like references that you got like of maybe people telling you from research yeah or like research oh no that was just that was straight from my mind yeah natural yeah natural character right? well, you just, i know yeah, we, that, that, was, yeah. <laughs> that was nuts i know we always kind of hear stories about these terrible people in our community and, and sometimes we don't yeah. honestly believe it and sometimes it's very very real but that was just that was a character that it just created completely from my mind like he had he was not inspired by anybody that i know of Oh, I hope not. <laughs> Did you encounter any problems in terms of writing and the, the whole, the whole process of publication, all these things? And uh, I know you said you self-published, but how does that all work? And like, because uh, I, I I used to do a lot of research into that as well in terms of the book that I wanted to write and um, approaching agents and all these different things. And did you did you have any like complications? And what would you recommend to anyone any any one of you writers? in terms of this whole process? I actually wanted to originally self-publish the book, but a close friend of mine mm-hmm. told me that there was an open call for uh, Muslim writers. And there was lots yep. of literary agents that were calling for Muslim authors of all kinds, fiction writers, nonfiction writers, children's books writers, illustrators. So I set myself up to um, send my manuscript to them. And I was really excited about that. and. I got a lot of good responses and sometimes I didn't get Mm. very many responses, but I realized that it's a very difficult process and it's kind of like a, 
it's very competitive and so yeah sometimes it can be very tedious and you can feel very anxious about it but it's good to know like I realize it's like a very tedious process and sometimes it can be a little bit heart heartbreaking when you get those rejection letters but if you know in your heart that self-publishing is something that you want to do then it's it's going to be something that you do regardless so you can't you can't let yourself get bothered by the rejections. And if you're somebody who wants to get uh, published through a major publishing house, then you should totally go for it. How long like did it take um, from when you like handed in the book to it being published? I worked on the book since 2015, I want to say, maybe late 2014. And then I finished writing yeah. it in um, late uh, December, I want to say. And then from there, I just was revising, revising nonstop. And then I sent it uh, to the self-publishing process is actually very smooth. That's something that you don't really hear too often. Well, I think actually it is maybe when you from you probably get a lot of different perspectives. But the self-publishing process is actually very smooth. Like you have complete control of the exterior uh, design as far as the cover goes and how you want your book to look like. You have complete control. Yeah. And that's something that I really appreciate about self-publishing and the whole process. So the revising process was really tedious and something that I did not look forward to. There was a lot of early mornings and late nights that I didn't really like. But it's you, it's something that you learn from and it's like a growing process, I feel like. So that took me like a good while and I had a lot of support from my close friends and my family. And I'm lucky to have sisters who are like English majors and uh, one sister no, who's a oh, teacher. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I had a... I think I need, to, I need to be more selective with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're like uh, a... Was I indirect? Yeah, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so they helped me a lot with the editing process and they were with me through throughout the whole like journey and everything. So I appreciate them and shout out to them and everything. Um, mm. Yeah, so um, to any like um, aspiring writers, I would just tell you to not give up. The road is very, very like it's very long and it's very, it's very hard um, to cross. But it's something that you need to do yeah. if you're very passionate about. And a lot of times mm -hmm. in our communities and minority communities, we're not exactly told to go after um, anything that's related to the arts, whether it be painting yeah. or writing or poetry, anything like that. It's just always like you guys hear that too, right? Like. You better be yeah, an engineer. Definitely. You yeah. better be a doctor yeah, and all yeah. that. That's that's it. Yeah. The only two routes. Mm -hmm. In terms of the actual themes, like you covered a lot of these issues that we have in our in us uh, in our community and um, creativity in itself and how it's received. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised you didn't cover it as well, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But um, I think I'm, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pen a novel right real quick. Yeah. But, <laughs> <Go for it. laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I agree with that. In terms of how the book was received, and like you've addressed these issues. Um, in our community as well, and how how was it received? And did like your did your parents read it? Did your like older like yeah, that's a good aunts, question. Uh, any elders in the community? Did you did they, any any of them read it and give you feedback on it and um, give them their thoughts on it? Because like throughout the whole book, the themes were that in terms of communication from our generation to the older generation, there's that issue as well, and that lack of communication, and um, that is a cause for a lot of the, these issues as well. Or, a, a cause for why these issues remain in the long run and did anyone um, give you feedback or how, how did you find reception was of the book um in terms of the older generation they were very very supportive 
of me writing the book mm -hmm. and publishing it and sharing it with my community at large. But in terms yeah. of feedback, I have still, I have yet to receive it from the older generation. And that's something that I'm looking forward to. The younger generation is very perceptive and responsive of all the difficult ordeals in the story as far as domestic abuse and Islamophobia mm. and cultural yeah. identity and other issues go. There is, I've actually gotten that a few times. People have asked, like, was this book about you? Like, the story really shook me to my core. Like, was this about you? <laughs> yeah. And I have to tell them, no, yeah. no, it's like completely fictional. All the stories are made up, you know? So I, I think mm. it really impacts people when they hear about like deep issues. Personal like issues, that. I think. Yeah. Have you thought about making it into an audiobook format or like getting it translated in Somali and um, maybe even an audiobook in, within Somali, in Somali, which might be something that we could communicate with the older generation? I actually haven't thought about that yet, but I think that would be an excellent idea. Having it like in Somali, so yeah, that's a, like others and nobody else could listen to it. Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, that's true, that's yeah, right. And then, and then they don't need a grocery. Right? <laughs> but, um, in terms of like... Can be funny though, like they're just listening to it and then all that <laughs> domestic abuse and they're like, yeah, this well, <laughs> is a bit intense. Well, Things took a dark turn. <laughs> well, you see how in the Somali TV channels they have the dubbed shows where one guy's doing all, all the voices, all the vo oh, uh, he's doing the male voices and the female voices. Right. <laughs> um, Do you have like um, any other like ideas or any other books that you're looking to do? regarding not just regarding like the Somali community or just like say uh, a novel or anything else like that I'm currently working on a novel actually um yeah. it I won't give away any ideas or anything but um it doesn't <laughs> it's all right, it doesn't worry. necessarily involve the Somali community at large but the protagonist yeah. is a Somali woman okay. so I'll share that much. You share that much. I yeah, know plot lines, yeah. nothing anyone can take no. away. Still, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, um, my next point was about um, any non Somalis listening to this or any non Somalis that uh, might want to read the book. I think uh, I'll definitely recommend it. And uh, I think, we're, like like, we, like I mentioned before, we're all over the place. Mm -hmm. Everywhere <laughs> you go, you're, you're bound to find a Somali. Right. <laughs> and like, like I said, Gosh, the way you're saying this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying like we're the cockroaches, but no, nah, we're, we're spreading our culture and I think it's a beautiful culture and mm -hmm. um, these issues need to be tackled as well. And in terms of like non-Somalis and how they interact with us, and I think it's a good, it's a good reference. It's like a good reference for them to, to look at and think about how we, how we might be thinking and the issues we face. So yeah. they might be a bit more sympathetic towards some of us that might be dealing with these kind of issues. And um, I think that any non-Somalis uh, listening or re reading the book should definitely pick it up and try and understand and relate a bit. And uh, no, Yeah, definitely, especially now, because we've got uh, so many, like, in, t in terms of the Somali community, we're, like, doing so many things now. So, yeah. obviously, there's, like, like, a, a lot of people doing, us. yeah. And now, obviously, we have an author, which has got a very good book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, this should be something that we should be pushing and like giving to other people. And hopefully through this, like we'll be recognized more. As a positive nation. Right? Yeah. As, as a, like a so right now you're good. like an ambassador. How do you feel, Helene? <laughs> um, an ambassador I feel pretty, crowned by us. I feel pretty good about myself. But I also like to give a shout out to all the creatives out there. Because I know that there's so mm. many Somali creatives like 
I was at an arts event in December and there yeah. were so many different um, artists. There was a Somali boy that was a photographer and he took these pictures of these um, young Somali girls wearing jilbabs. They're really bright colored yeah. jilbabs and he actually sold the jilbabs himself and I thought that was really amazing. Yeah. Like wow. there's just so much talent in our community. Like it's it's amazing. It's incredible honestly. That's the thing. That's the thing. With creativity it usually originates from a struggle and all, all these different struggles that we face and all these different solutions that we provide to them i think uh, as, a, as a nation we're very innovative people and mm -hmm. and that's i think that's finally being reflected in our current generation because um, let's say our old generation moved to all these different um, first world countries etc and then um, now we're finally like starting to i think establish ourselves and mm -hmm. um, i wouldn't say somebody but trying to integrate sort of integrating and picking up all these different creative routes that yeah. we might take as a as a career forward and um, that's the, another thing I want to talk about is in terms of actual like once you start creating the things I, I find like the older generation are actually supportive of it once it's been done and it's been proven which is funny I think um, so I think as a writer and I think once the older generation sees that you, you've written a book I think that they'll support you more than like you when you're in the process of writing the book or yeah because then yeah. they'll be like oh do something more productive or, mm. yeah. or that yeah Something to them, obviously, like maybe studying where they don't really see the benefits of writing a book. Whereas these days, the media, like through uh, visuals like videos or uh, let's say podcasts or books and stuff, is a way that you can actually showcase yourself through mm. like a wider community. Mm. Mm. Um, but obviously, you know, I mean, our parents are like, they're the ones that brought us here. And to them, they're not really, they haven't grown up in this culture. And what they know is that from back home, that the doctor and the engineer is a successful one. It's and obviously, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's just common sense that yeah. that's what they want for us. Um, but especially now, let's say with your book and showcasing them that this is what we can actually do yeah. and that it's affected people. Uh, high quality way. level yeah that's a then obviously they'll see it in a different light and be more supportive of it that's actually a really good point Shamaki. like i feel like immigrant parents they want to see results now as yeah, far literally. as like um test what is it called true and tested is it tested and true T tried yeah, and tested tried and tried and tested paths like no <laughs> doctors yeah. and engineers and architects and nurses they see the results they see the money yeah. like right then and there you know so they're very yeah. supportive yeah. of things like that as as opposed to like somebody who wants to be a writer who will be struggling mm. you know for a good amount of time and somebody who's yeah. um a painter or a photographer who won't mm. see like the money coming in you know just like that that's actually something yeah. that i was having a conversation with like a couple of like good friends and my sisters about the other day so mm. it's really interesting how you brought yeah. that up no, yeah, so it's a, it's a good, like, convo to have so you can see how they see it. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, like, our parents have sacrificed a lot to, to get us here. Like, losing out on their studies or what they were doing um, to give us a better life. And obviously, to them, that means us getting education. That means us becoming, you know, qualified professionals. Um, yeah, so that's... That's why I was saying when, if we showcase rather than just telling them, yeah, like with this book, practice what you preach. Yeah, right? then they'll be like, yeah, you know what? There might be something. There might be something to this. Yeah. So shout out all the creatives that are doing positive things and establishing this this 
like platform for all of us and um, shout out to all of the people who are supporting each other and um, you're setting the foundation for the future generations to have a better livelihood and relax our, our older generation a bit more so like reducing their stress yeah. as well if you think about it in that way so keep doing what you're doing because we're guys. like the first generation like growing up here mm-hmm. yeah so that <clears throat> so that only means we're the only ones that will like pave the way for whoever's coming after mm-hmm. and if we do a good job of it now that makes that basically means that doors already open for like our children who will come and then their children who will exactly. come exactly mm-hmm. so i'm um, just conscious of the time um in terms of closing thoughts you got anything you want to add any advice any tips anything before we close i just like to say again to any um to any aspiring writers or creatives, I would just like to say, keep going, keep pushing yourself. There's a really inspiring brother. His name is Yasin Osman. Have you guys heard about him? Yeah, yeah, I love him. He <laughs> just, he's always encouraging people and he's very inspiring yeah. and he's very successful in what he does. And I feel like he's a very yeah. good example of like, yeah. in terms of like, you can That's... be a creative and you can be successful, you know? So I would just say... Yeah, he's one of model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially of those who are like breaking through as yeah. well. He's doing a really good job of that. I would just say, keep pushing yourself, keep going. You're not going to see the results then and now, but if you keep going and if you keep getting, if you like get out of your comfort zone and you do things that, you know, you'll look back and you'll say, you know what, the things that I did now are things that I would have never done in the past, you know, and you'll be proud of yourself. So yeah, literally that's, that's mm. what I That's how I feel. Yeah. So, um, thank you very much for coming, uh, um, and giving us this opportunity to, uh, read your book and discuss it and I think there's a lot of productive things that you pulled out from this interview which turned into a more relaxed conversation which I think was much better in terms of how it will be received mm-hmm. and um, keep doing what you're doing um, you're doing yeah. a good job and I also just wanted to say uh, thank you for basically reaching out to us yeah uh, and sort of trusting us to do this <laughs> well thank you for having me and I just like to say That's shout right. out to you guys for having this amazing platform like when I heard that there was two brothers that had a podcast about books, like completely dedicated to books, like it blew my mind. Like there's Somali oh, bookworms out there. Like I just thought that was awesome. Yeah, there are. There are. There, really there are more than we thought. Yeah. So props to you guys for doing Whoa. this, like, and keep it going. I hope to see like season two and everything of all this. We're actually planning to do a podcast every single week of this year and uh, trying to make it a bit dynamic. Um, so, like, next week, we're actually going to be doing a poetry book, uh, wow. which is a bit different. That is awesome. <laughs> but, yeah. Stepping up fancy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, this these last couple of weeks have been a bit different and um, we started, we've started to establish ourselves a bit more and uh, we're starting to really enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much for the feedback and the support. And, yeah, keep doing what you're doing as well. And uh, we're looking forward to your next book. So welcome back. Now we're going to talk about the book. Um, this week we read a book called Amida, which stands for hope. And we were actually sent this book by the author of the book who approached us and asked us if he wanted to share it with our audience. That's something that we haven't had before and it's an opportunity that we're really grateful for. And we read the books and we read the book with us and um, it's a series of short stories based on issues facing the Somali diaspora. So um, the distribution i said that before in the interview the distribution of um somalis worldwide and from somalia to all these first world countries and all these major uh what do you call it populations so in places like australia uh, england scandinavian countries america canada um, where we happen to be everywhere (laughs) and 
I said that. I said that. <laughs> I said that repeatedly. Like it's a problem. Every, yeah. Every corner you turn. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> pow, pow, pow. Is, is it not true? <laughs> is it not true? And like I said, it's not a bad thing. Um, it's good to see that, and it, it feels like anywhere you go, you have somewhere to relate to, mm. as a Somali yourself. Yeah, um, I feel like. Somalis like we all grew up the same way yeah exactly like, we're, we're all the same parents yeah, literally <laughs> yeah like, it's very easy to speak with a Somali like more yeah because <clears throat> it's like literally your upbringing is practically the same so mm. you can easily get along with anyone that you meet there's mm. not there's not much like ice to break you know what I mean except if you're in like two different countries then it's just different things as in like what's happening down there but in terms of like being Somali it's like literally the same everywhere you go in this book it's a series of short stories and each story covers a different theme which uh, or a different issue that we faced as a people even you can say as a generation um, because there's a gap between our generation and the older generation which we're going to cover so we're going to go through each book and just uh, like discuss it and give our thoughts on it so there's seven books the first one is Amila. Um, that's the namesake of the book. Seven books are like short stories. So the first name, uh, the first story in the book is called Amila, which is uh, the name of the book itself, and it covers the issue of domestic violence. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, when obviously uh, I I read the book, uh, I pers- I personally liked it that it was from a girl's perspective. Yeah, you mean the story? The the what the first story yeah the first story yeah because yeah. obviously when, when it's from a girl's perspective you can see what hurts them more so then when you okay I, no, I just I just, what hurts I just gave him a, like, a look like yo you gotta explain that right? obviously um like well, honestly, who you trying to, who you trying to hurt nah nah I'm a good husband um what uh yeah so Basically, what I mean by that is like, with that short story, when you read it from a woman's perspective mm-hmm. as a guy, and you see like her being hurt, because obviously I don't want to spoil it too much. Um, when you see her being hurt and and stuff like that, it, like like I basically said in the interview, anything that makes me feel a certain type of way gets me thinking. I see that as a really good point and in that short story that I basically started thinking like you know what making these small little steps here like appreciating your wife's cooking when she makes an effort to look good for you stuff like that appreciating that and letting her know can have a really good effect on on your marriage yeah, uh, yeah that's that's my thoughts on so in the interview one. in the interview you cover the, we covered the themes of the book and um, what it's based on, uh, Amila being hope, uh, like it derives from the word hopeful in Arabic, and that, that when we when she actually proposed that we 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 discuss it in our in our podcast, I actually said said that like I don't actually want to read a deep book right now. <laughs> like the first few, the last few books we read are very deep and uh, they they make you think a lot. And every now and then you want you want a light read, you know, you don't want to. Be overwhelmed with the emotion. Not that I was, but and then you walked straight into domestic violence. <laughs> yeah. So, Left so for a, for a first story in the book, it was it was heavy. So it went straight into domestic violence and the issues of a married couple that 
uh, endure domestic violence issues. Which, of um, course, is very important to touch on. Yeah. And do you feel like it's a theme that you've noticed in, in our culture? I've never... I, recently, I've heard it more... I've heard it a few times. Yeah. And I, I was surprised because I didn't expect it to be like that. But it's not just our culture. I think it's a wider culture. It and is, it's not talked it's about a lot. a wider thing, yeah. And, uh, yeah, there are a lot of things that... There's, there are a lot of th- issues that we don't talk about, which... I think in this book it covered a lot of, and uh, in terms of domestic violence as well, um, if any of you are experiencing something like that, um, the first thing to do is to reach out to someone. I think, and don't be afraid. And um, hopefully, all the, the people who are abusers, um, like actually fix up and eventually uh, stop abusing, and they learn that this is wrong. And um, from a victim's point of view, uh, like it's something that might traumatize them for the rest of their lives. And also before you know you get married because it is obviously a long time commitment it's it's very important that um like your right. brothers and stuff what you may huh? <laughs> i'm joking good for it. um that they also get to know who the guy is that you're marrying mm. because if it is just for looks or <clears throat> the Material. way that it's that he makes himself seem yeah and then you find out that he's a crazy man it's better finding out a lot sooner than later yeah. uh so yeah a solution that i'll have is have you ever heard of domestic violence in the other direction well a guy again yeah you know, abused yeah have you have you ever considered I it I, haven't, I, haven't, I was i considered it when i was reading yeah i was like but then obviously i can't really you can't um, picture it because you haven't you haven't seen I it i mean though i saw a recent video where there was uh, like a forced marriage in India. Yeah. A guy had like a shotgun to his head and he had to marry the woman. But yeah. then again, that's, that's not, not like her. her yeah. So, I mean, that's, I think the furthest I've. But yeah, another theme of the book is like, like I mentioned, the hopeful aspect of it is that she provides a solution. That's what I liked about it. A lot of people raise issues, but they don't really uh, provide solutions to the issues. And I feel like for each story within this book, she raised the issue and she, proposed a solution as well in a clever way in a clever way which otherwise we would have just read a book about domestic violence yeah, yeah. just ended that way and it would have been like well, yeah. yeah she she proposed a solution and then she ended it in a hopeful note uh, which <coughs> i really enjoyed and um i think there's not a lot to talk about in terms of domestic violence there's an abuser um there's a victim and the victim is getting the brunt of it and uh, she also explores the ideas that um how the abuser comes to be an abuser like what they experience in their childhood um if a guy's father was abusive to his mother he might become abusive in the future that's a solid point but i wonder how much that works out in actual research if like we researched it if there was like studies based on that i wonder how realistic that is but i think it's a good point logically um the second story was a story called monkeying around and it was about life after 9-11 the the bombing uh, which occurred and the aftermath of it from the point of view of a non-muslim high school student um, do you want to summarize that? So, <clears throat> to summarize it, there, there's it's in the point of view of a non-Muslim, and there is a Muslim guy which is in his class, and it happens to be around a time where nine eleven has just occurred, and it's yeah. touching on the period where those how Muslims who were, are treated. Yeah, who who were like obviously going to school around that time, how they were. Yeah, being treated by those that um, obviously didn't see like 
just saw them all as terrorists and stuff like that. Yeah. Which saw, which should remember Hermione in like our second episode, Caron yeah. episode, he was basically saying that um, even when he was in school, yeah. they were calling him Osama Bin Laden and stuff. So it, it was a thing that happened, doesn't happen as much now, obviously, but back then it was it's a big issue for yeah. a lot of ignorant people and yeah it ends on another little hopeful note the guy doesn't get beaten up <laughs> um, the third one was another very deep one and it was based, it was focused on depression and mental health uh, it, it was following that the girl Hania was it Hania right yeah and yeah. Uh, she her, her struggles with depression and how her family perceive her and how in Somali culture there's a we have this thing where in terms of gossip we are like gossipy people <laughs> there's a lot like the older generation really like to talk and yeah. talk about different things that are happening within the community talk about different people and it's just a thing that's embedded deep within them and, and on top of that with this one here talking about depression yeah that's not really something that is touched up upon within our community mm. like depression is like oh you don't got depression you're just tripping you know what i mean yeah. <clears throat> it's not something where our parents don't really can't really like fathom the fact that like why you're being depressed yeah. like it's, they'll link it to how they're treating you or and, and stuff like that because it's obviously not, that's the thing like I mentioned this this book focuses on people from our generation from the diaspora and um, the fact that most of them have had most of them have migrated from Somalia and their parents have like sacrificed a lot for them so when they their parents hear things like this they feel almost insulted and they feel despaired. Like, why did we do all of this for you? Mm. For you to be sad is like the idea of depression. The word depression, like, it, it, for you to be sad is essentially what it is. Yeah. Like, why why are you so sad? Why are you so unhappy? And the thing is, with all these issues, they're very sensitive topics. And saying the wrong thing could trigger the wrong people, and uh, that's the thing. So, in terms of depression itself, there there, there are a lot of reasons for why it is, but uh, it's also considered a medical condition. Um, so in the book it touches on the fact that some of these parents might think that the depression was uh, invented by western culture uh, western people to buy like medicines and stuff like that to sell medicine and it's an interesting point but uh, as we are growing up in the west and all like growing up in the western and uh, the and like being involved within the western education system and um, studying like science all of us studied science and all those different things we we sort of place an emphasis on science ourselves and we we trust it a bit we trust our doctors <laughs> like uh obviously because if you're ill you're not, who's gonna look after you <laughs> the doctors aren't um so that notion of depression being a, a invention just to sell medicine is interesting and the the story also covers like the disconnect between the younger generation like i mentioned the parents gossiping and then um, the fact that this gossip leads to a lot of pride and uh, like being like hyper aware of what people think of you and like what would people think of you if you committed suicide and you can imagine from someone who's experiencing depression if they heard that that's like extremely despairing and like i said there's uh, there are a lot of issues in terms of like talking about this but essentially in terms of depression the person who is depressed should try and seek help and if they're in such a situation where they can't speak to no one and they should like i i personally think they should go to a medical professional straight away um some of them might some of them might be like a bit 
like patronizing but at the end of the day you gotta try and seek help for yourself yeah. in the end of every story she proposes she proposes a solution and in this in this situation it's prayer and meditation and uh, she starts feeling better so um like i said the fact that this is so deep and it makes you talk it, it makes you think is really interesting and the way that she's written it is very clever again and i'd like to give her props on that um and i think we'll go on to the next one for now yeah, let's not, not spoil the ending. Yeah, so case number 23. So this story is called case number 23, and it's about exorcism. <laughs> and uh, you want to go for it? Because I spoke a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so this one here, uh, this, this little chapter is called case 23. And in this one, it's in the point of view of a, um, a Muslim guy. And he basically has an uncle that he goes around doing exorcism with, like, um, Gerb, which is obviously, people know what it is, right? I don't, do oh, I have wait, to explain it? saying that? Huh? No, you don't need to explain it, but. I don't know, I thought, <laughs> Google for some exorcism. reason, that, yeah, yeah, I, I just, just do that. Um, <laughs> they're, gonna go, they're gonna go watch The Exorcist and they're like, yeah, what's wrong with Yeah, you? what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> yeah, and obviously, uh, in our culture, this is a very big thing where we get sheikhs and we get like imams to go around homes to basically read the Quran on as a spiritual remedy yeah as a spiritual remedy on those that are suffering um, from that and again what we can derive from that is that how like even when I went to Somalia yeah um, I remember like two three days in mm-hmm. they i remember like we were sitting inside like the house and like <laughs> i remember like six like imams like sort of came yeah. and, like ran up on us in it yeah and then they were like your grandma said to basically sit down here we're gonna read um the quran on you guys yeah <clears throat> and yeah so basically that this the whole Quran reading on the person thing isn't anything new. It's something that's been going on for for a while. Um, yeah, whether you believe it or not, it's up to you. But in, in Islam, is a is a strong belief that we don't we don't and it is and of course it is important that you you protect yourself um, from demons or like the jinn in this case um, because it is a thing which can actually affect a lot of families. Which is what we believe. Uh, if you believe that or not, it's up to you. But uh, you should go research it. And if your intention is to truly seek knowledge, and go, go and do that and um, try your luck. But yeah, um, that's for story number four. Story number five called Nasib. Um, you, would you say Nasib? The, the Nasib. translation for it is Ne, right? Or, nah, Nasib no, no, is Nasib like, is like, like um, trust. It's like sort of tr- uh, no, it's not, it's do like, me a favor, like a favor. No, no, no. Nasib is like. Um, like, I don't want to say luck Yeah But it's like Sort of Like Nasib But then you hey, Like it's like He's got Like uh, Good fortune maybe mm. uh, It's like It's like uh, Luck I think is the closest word to it Yeah no, uh, By the way In the book There's a glossary At the end of it So if you yeah, <laughs> If your somebody's like, weak like mine <laughs> <laughs> And yeah Go read it <laughs> But yeah, we'll forget about the meaning of the name of the story for now. But um, essentially, <laughs> it's about a girl, Somali girl, who uh, eventually she she 
she goes for education and then she she doesn't want to stay in the same city and she wants to go out and uh, experience and experience her life um, a lot of people <laughs> have that issue but the parents uh, for one reason or another don't support that and uh, whether that be a religious belief or whatever but yeah so she, uh, she leaves the family and the family friends cut her off and uh, eventually she comes back for a wedding and um, she rekindles her relationship with the family and I wouldn't say that's a major issue would you say that's a major issue? Um, the theme of the book itself uh, the theme of the story itself I would say probably um, parents being accepting to us from leaving mm. maybe might be one it's not something that I know I've experienced of, of it, or yeah. like people so you don't really relate to it as much yeah yeah, so read that <laughs> and uh, try to understand why. Because that's the thing. Like, might be a problem. But for I, I, us, we might not get, but someone yeah. else might. That's yeah, it didn't resonate with me as much as some of the other stories did. But I can see that um, the, the sm- smaller parts of it, like, are quite important. In that cutting people off is can be poisonous. It might be health- healthy for you, but making sure you do that. Like, if it's really bad, if someone's really bad for you, then. You should think about it, but not in such a way that like you're totally cutting them off, yeah. like cold. And this story sort of explores that and how like the, the emotions like someone might feel about that and how they think about the way they, the the way they behave for the rest of their lives. Like if you if your family cut you off, just imagine like how you'd feel for the rest of your life. Like every time someone asks you about your family, it's like an awkward conversation. But yeah, that's the theme of that story. Number six uh, called Hoya Ma'an, which is uh, you said that good. Mate. <laughs> I'm still Somali. <laughs> There's someone, someone's in there. Um, and this one's about mothers and the sacrifices they make for us. And uh, Shumaki says he got a lot to talk about. On that. I, yeah. I, I agree that like, this one really resonated with me. And like, a lot of our mums are like stay-at-home mums who sacrifice, who drop everything basically to make you, us, you, us happy. <laughs> I think um, that's a big issue as well. And. I felt really bad for the mother character and my own mum and other mums that are experiencing this and it's a weird thing but it's like it happens and it is probably going to continue to happen for a while but is it an issue and are there solutions for it? I don't know. Yeah, what do you the, say? The thing is um, when they come here you know, like our mothers especially um, if they come whoever the husband or whether it's by themselves, yeah. they've automatically got the responsibility of looking after the children. Yeah, and then and looking after the children is no easy thing. Mm. Let me tell you that. Um, How many kids you got? Huh? How many kids you got? I think we're pushing two. What are you pushing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, looking after children is no easy thing, and on top of that, there is a language barrier which is another major thing. So for them to be balancing... And a generation barrier, I'd say. Uh, yeah, and a generation barrier, who are growing up with a different culture. And within this one here, the, one of the children is, is a trapster. Actually, he's, part of, he's in the streets. Um, and so she's, to, to basically summarise, she's looking at her child one who's basically a security guy one who works like late nights and stuff like that her daughter who she she doesn't really speak with as much and then a son that's um what's it called in the sh- on the streets and then on top of that her husband 
You had to think about that. Right? Yeah, that's my saying as well. <laughs> and then her I'm husband. So many times that like, her wrong? husband who who just literally chills in calves, and it's sad as well because he also was like a strong, charismatic guy in Somalia, and then when he came here, and he lost his his mother. It, it took a dark turn for him. He stopped working and stuff like that. And then, so we we see the mother crying, seeing herself as as a failure, yeah, failing her children, um, which um, you put yourself in the eyes of the the main character who was the daughter, seeing her mother cry and seeing her mother say those things. Like, yeah, I, seeing I, the mother I, cry isn't a good thing. Yeah, for for anyone. Yeah. So it, it explores the idea that um, how mother might be isolated and uh, different like barriers, like you said, the communication barriers, generation barriers, and the fact that everyone is out there seeking their own thing. Uh, we're all like we all have our own goals, and sometimes we forget about what's important. Like sometimes we forget to go and have a chat with our mums and just see how they're sometimes doing. Sometimes we we forget that our parents had goals. Yeah. Like, my they mom dropped everything for as us. Well, yeah, literally always wanted to be a teacher, and then she like put that. Yeah. to a side for us and we're obviously chasing what we want to do and whatever paths we want to get into mm. but it's, it's as if like our parents have just propped out as parents like they didn't yeah. have no back that was their purpose like, yeah. and, and it's it's sad to see and uh, and the solution for me is that us as people we dedicate as much free time as we can to like giving our parents the other giving our parents back the opportunity to, yeah. to rekindle those things that they wanted to do and achieve their goals you know um, helping helping their parents out yeah uh, but not just helping them out I, mean, I literally mean like no like, like for example if they want to get into teaching or whatever yeah exactly finding out ways that they can get yeah, back exactly. into it giving them the opportunity because yeah. they gave us all these opportunities and we've got to give them back something some way and uh, th- that's the thing it's a very deep deep story and it resonates with us uh, quite a lot um, so yeah we enjoyed that one a lot. I'd say it was my favourite mm. story from this whole book and the next one is like the opposite sort of so it's, it's called Abu which is obviously the Somali word for father yeah which is dad yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you wanna cover this one? so this one here is another major issue I think yeah definitely this one is covering um because the story, like, I don't want to just say the whole story as well. I want you guys to basically enjoy it as much as we did. So I'll sort of just say, like, the shell. But this is basically about, a f- like, <clears throat> fathers who come in, like, make their way to the US and, like, start off, like, start with different families and that's that's there's like two problems one is that that does happen here where um fathers when they come here they like become distant from their first like family group and then start a second one or some basically go back to somalia and like start a second one for um, whatever issue that's for, for, for because like the fact is that somalia is a country that's been steeped in tragedy and all these different issues war piracy all these different things and that's led that's led to a lot of trauma and lack of education things like these they they create they create these uh, issues uh, these wide cultural issues and a lot of people are affected by it and um, us as people from everywhere all over the world we can see that um, we all 
have the same sort of upbringing and we can see a lot of our friends a lot of our family they're affected by these things as well and um that's why one that's one of the reasons why these things might happen mm. but yeah that's what the the story covers so yeah if you want to continue on from your point yeah so no just my point basically touching up on that these things they do happen in our communities where like our fathers or like the men uh, the somali men they they like start different families elsewhere and disconnect with their like let's say original family and the fact that uh, basically she touched up on that was was a very good one because if like when not if when like the older generation like get to read this and do read it and they basically see how that affects their children then it's this is definitely a lesson that they can learn from it okay so that wraps up the book there's seven stories in it and um, for me overall i really enjoyed it and in terms of like writing i think there's things that she could improve on but in terms of sending the message across and the content i think it was beautifully written and um i would definitely recommend it to all of you somalis and what would you say out of 10 that's our thing uh let me say eight eight yeah so i think in terms of right i think writing will take the a couple of points off mm. but in terms of messaging the content i really enjoyed it and it resonated with me deeply so yeah, I'll give it a high rating. Um, but there are certain things like the dialogue, the way it's written, some of it in terms of the male characters, they, uh, I think that they were just a bit exaggerated. Personally, that's my opinion. But um, read it, and yeah, you give your opinion on it. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a nine. Okay. Um, personally, with me, the the writing doesn't have that much of an effect yeah at the end of the day yeah. I think yeah. it's about what, how you feel about the book that, that has more of an impact on you yeah definitely it was the way that it came across that I really enjoyed um, and I also want to say this point is that we should definitely like support our own yeah. especially like our sister here Halima on, on this book because this is a book that is is talking about the issues that we do have and it is a, a good book which basically means that if you do recommend it then it is something that people will not just disregard but people will actually contemplate upon yeah and especially in our time as like as i've said so many times um like us being the first generation here we have to be the ones that basically open the doors for everyone else whether it's in photography uh, cinematography um, um, like let's say podcasts, what you mentioned in the interview about creative fields all of that all of those fields um, we have we are in a position right now to basically open those doors and we can only open those doors if we like knock together because obviously it would be louder than it was much better in my head but yeah, um, yeah, you were shocking. Absolutely <laughs> but shocking. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so basically, we have to be the ones that um, it's open simple, the doors. It's for pretty simple. We, we as a people, we need to stick together and try and fix our issues together, and communicate a lot more and support each other. Because if we don't support each other, who's going to support us? Literally. You understand? And if you have something that you want to do, and uh, no one supports you, how do you feel? And if like you're not providing the same um, amount of support, how can you expect it? And I think that's something that we need to think about as a people and 
make sure that we take action and um, keep doing what you're doing and be consistent in whatever you're doing, whatever you want to want to study, whatever you want to chase, and make sure you're you're doing it with the right intentions. And yeah, I key. think I think that wraps it up for this episode. I think it was the most insightful episode we had so far, and we really enjoyed the interview. We really enjoyed the the challenge section that we've done, and we're gonna, we're gonna try and keep on getting better and better. Thank you very much for listening. This has been your boys from Inspire Entertainment. Good night.